Hello and welcome to the Collective Wisdom Podcast, the podcast that explores how to be a wiser version of yourself. This is a podcast that helps you to tap into your own inner wisdom and find the answers within you for how to live your best life. I'm your host, Kat Preston. I'm a certified life coach and I help people to turn down the noise in their heads and tune into the wisdom in their hearts. Every week I'll be asking my guests to tell their stories about what they've learned along the way and share some of their wisdom with us. I'm so thrilled you can join us. Hey there, my wise friends, and welcome back to season four of the Collective Wisdom Podcast. It's been so good to have a break from all the routines and have some fun reunions with family and friends over the summer, and also just a chance to reflect on where you've come from and where you're going next. So I hope you've been having an equally good break. I find September is always a great time to get new projects underway or push just that little bit harder as we start to see the end of the year on the horizon. So we're kicking off this season with the wonderful Enrica Greathouse, who is a fellow coach and all-round superstar. I was recently on a call with her and she shared a tip about finding balance in the work she's doing by asking herself if it's ticking four boxes of care, creativity, connection, and contribution. And if, the, if what you're doing is hitting those boxes, then you're probably on the right path. Enrica is an absolute angel. Her warmth, her empathy, her absolute all-round love for humanity just shines through in everything she says and does. But as you'll hear, it wasn't always that way. And she calls out the people who saw her and supported her and remained steadfast that, yeah, she has light and something to offer, even when she didn't see it for herself. And now that's what she does for other people. I think this is probably one of my all-time favourite conversations. And I hope you enjoy being with Enrica as much as I did. My guest this week is someone I've grown to respect and admire so much, even though we've never actually met in person. And I feel like I only know a tiny part of her story. So this podcast is going to be the perfect opportunity for me to get her to know her so much better. Enrica Greathouse and I have worked together as coaches on both the Story Skills Workshop and Seth Godin's Old MBA. And the warmth and compassion she brings, as well as a huge smile that just lights up the room, is such a joy to be around. Enrica describes herself as a human connection champion, which is just so true. She has an infectious energy and her superpower is an innate empathy that just cuts straight to the chase when it comes to building trust. She's the person in the room that you just can't help but gravitate towards because she seems to genuinely want to get to know you better. She's also a hugely creative visual artist and designer who is so talented at breaking things down to their essence, making the complex more accessible and moving people into action. When she's not coaching over at Akimbo, she works for Small Gorilla, a company that she co-founded with her husband, Joshua, that helps brands to ditch marketing for storytelling and connect with their people online and thereby increase their reach and revenue. Enrica also has a real passion for creating experiences on stage and has translated this love into helping people create those same experiences online. She's even had a small feature in a Michael Jackson video, which I'll be asking her about more later. And if you spend any time with her, you'll notice that she manages to be moving her body to an inner beat, even when she's sitting at a desk. Oh, and she also has the most amazing collection of headwear, hats, scarves and earrings, all of which make for an eye-catching and captivating presence on Zoom. But most of all, what comes across is Enrica's sense of fun and what's possible if you believe in yourself, that life is one big adventure waiting to be lived. I think that's what I love about her the most. So Enrica, welcome to the podcast. I really can't wait to dig into some of your stories and share some of your immense wisdom with the world. Now, you shared some fun facts with me, which is something I'm <laughs> going to start asking all of my guests to do because it was just so, it just opened up a whole new world. And one of the things you said was that you were the only girl 
in a family of all boys. So kick us off, if you will, with that. Yeah, I think that's one of my joys as well as one of my marks, I think. Um, my and when I say all boys, I have my mama, of course, right? But sometimes she was gone. Yeah. And after that is me and my three brothers. Um, we were always, or not always, oftentimes left to our own devices. And so I grew up just like them, one of the boys, tomboy, very much dirty jeans, wrestling, fighting, <laughs> very. <laughs> how, how many kids tomboy. were there? How many kids were there growing up? Um, so it was four of us and it was three, three, three brothers boys, and I was wow. the only one. I'm second from the oldest, but we were, and we, the thing is we were just wild and free and we had like, we played spaceships and, and built forts and lots of fights and lots of, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I was, and really I was pretty, I was hanging around. Yes. I was hanging. I can pretty much beat, beat up all my brothers, except for one, my, my, my uh, youngest one underneath me, Brandon, because wow. he had a temper when he got mad, he didn't care of your family. He fought, he fought you like, uh, like you were in the streets. And so I never really wanted to fight him because he was, he always had a temper and would just go off the chains, but other, everybody else I can pretty much hang. Um, I think that's where I get my toughness from. Um, and oftentimes when I'm like, I was, I have a computer science degree. And even though I'm the only woman in the room, a lot of times in those type of technology spaces, yeah, yeah. I feel so comfortable, like it's like my brothers. And so, um, I have two sides of me. People, people think like, oh, Rick is so sweet, but I'm, I have a rough side to me as well. <laughs> yeah. Cause this is opening up a whole new side to you of this sort of tough girl who really had to stand her own ground and yeah. And be able to physically fight, not just sort of. Yeah, well, yeah. When you're yeah. from the hood, you gotta, you gotta be able to throw them hands. They call it like, you have to be able to stand your own, but I, I love my brothers because we all like, we, we're kind of like the Jackson five. Like we had to sing together at, at the church and we creative, all three of us, three of us um, are very creative. My older brother, he's like more serious, but he's also creative on the under. He just don't like to show yeah. it. Um, but we, we very much are very tight knit and we grew up just doing everything together, fighting together, creating together. We still, even now we like, uh, I go to my brother's studio and be able to create with him. He comes down to, to down here to LA and it's just fun to have three brothers. I think it's the best yeah. in the world. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of four girls. So I kind of I relate to that, having your siblings, just knowing there's always someone there and someone who really knows you and gets you is, is a powerful, you know, we have a little WhatsApp group and, and just that, but yeah, when we were kids, it wasn't so much physical. My, my youngest two did physically fight and you didn't want to get involved when that <laughs> was going on. There's loads of stories about slamming doors on each other and stuff, mm. but with us, it was more, I think the worst thing I ever did was I threw my number three sister Ruth's clothes out of the window because she wouldn't stop pinching my clothes. So one day I just come in, came in and threw all of her, her wardrobe out of the window. So it's much more sort of tactical stuff than the actual. But then but then I think, yeah, um, it, it, with boys, I've got two boys and it's always straight to the rough and tumble. It's always straight to sort of just physicality and yeah, yeah. sorting things out yeah. that way. But it sounds like it was a lot of fun as a childhood. Yeah. We and we and when I say fight, we barely we, we didn't really fight fight, but we wrestled. Like we thought we were W, I think it's WWE <laughs> now, but it was WWF back then where I'm like, tag team, jump from the ring and yeah. I got you in the headlock. It was very physical and very um and we raced and who's the fastest and wrestle and football. I played flag I'm really good at flag football and wow. sports and it's just you know, I was one of the, one of them. And so, so there's no room for being a girly girl. Yeah. And I'm not sure if I, I ever desired it. Maybe I, maybe I didn't desire because I didn't have a model to, to, yeah. you know, yeah. so I was just, even I had this one story, my, like my grandfather's a pastor and they're like very traditional. And so I used to hate, like I wore, I wore jeans. Like that's my uniform jeans and cut up, <laughs> like raggedy shirts just being rough and, you know, out in the outdoors. And so on Sunday, they're like, my, all my brothers got to wear like pants, but I had to wear a dress. I'm like, no, I did not, I did not want to wear a dress. I was so mad. And one day I, I'm not wearing, I'm just coming. And so 
the ladies were like the older women they were like come here you are the pastor's granddaughter you cannot wear that no they're like go to the back until we take you to the store and buy you a proper attire and then my my papu my grandfather he came back rika why are you back here for i'm like the mothers of the house said that i got to come back here because i'm wearing a dress he's like I mean, I'm wearing the pants and they want me to wear a dress. They're going to buy me a dress. He's like, tell them, I said, let you go in there and it's fine. It's not a big deal. Wow. So my grandfather was a champion for love, even amongst like these rules and rituals and uh, like you have to be a certain way. So I love I love that story too. a little little short, small story. But I remember that. And I, I was like, yes, Papu, he's, you know, yes, love is better than champion, having yeah. to wear. Right. Yeah. So. And I think because there's such a rule breaker inside you that it's that, you know, that's probably the first time it was kind of, I can break the rules and it is okay. Yeah. I can be myself. Yeah. Just magical. Yeah. So when would you say that the, um, the kind of, cause I mean, now you just, your hair is always done to perfection. Mm. You wear such cool gear. So, so when, when did that side of you come out? That I've, actually, that's been with me for ever since I can remember, I think, because I'm just, I just like to make things. And I remember in my younger years, I must've been, I was pregnant. So 16, I was, I was going to be a cosmetologist. <laughs> and oh, so wow. I was training as a, yeah, as an apprentice, it was my, I must've been, I must've been a sophomore or junior between sophomore and junior year. And I definitely wanted, I used to have people come to my house and I used to do their hair. And I used to make, I used to make like fashion clothes and I would sell little stuff. Cause when the hood, you kind of got to do different size stuff to make money. So yeah. I used to, I used to be an entrepreneur. Like I used to make like jewelry, bake cookies, make like jean skirts. And I would do people's hair just to make extra, extra money. And so I thought I'm gonna be a cosmetologist, but then I was at the time, um, I was actually pregnant and I was going to mix up like these called perms, which is chemicals. And they're like, oh, so you're pregnant. You can't, no. you can no longer can no, you can't do an intern. You get an internship has to stop. And it was like apprenticeship, I guess. And they said, you can't do it anymore. You can't come to this, to the, you know, the salon to do that. And I was like, oh, and I'm kind of glad because afterwards I went to take to look at taking the class and they said you have to be standing on your feet for 40 hours i'm like oh no that's not for me so even though i like doing hair and i like doing creative things it definitely wasn't i'm glad it didn't pan out because yeah. it's definitely not a profession for me <laughs> but i like i still like to have fun with it though but it shows yeah that sort of creative side has just been coming through all along mm -hmm. it's just and it's stunningly beautiful I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing this episode on instagram because to be able to share some of those photos and yeah just oh. gorgeous gorgeous now it's interesting because you you just said you know when we were talking before we started recording it your pride as as a mum of your you've got two daughters mm -hmm. and it just shines through you know you're talking about homeschooling mm -hmm. and just there's something so beautiful watching a mum describing her kids and it's just but you know, you just said you 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 were pregnant at sixteen and your first mm -hmm. baby, and and I just that just stopped me in my tracks because when I think of myself at sixteen, I just wasn't grown up enough. I I just wouldn't mm -hmm. have even known where to start. So I know it's a very personal question, but how was it? How did it feel? Yeah, that is one of my, I guess, one of the biggest stories that are challenges that I had to overcome because yeah. it was a lot of feelings in one. It wasn't just one emotional feeling. I was, I was free and wild and big dreamer. And then I'm like, Oh, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and oh. so there's some angels in my life that helped me get through that as well as uh, just a tenacious heart. Like I'm still a dreamer. I'm still going to accomplish great things. I had just a straight, I had a really strong will. And so with, even though I had a lot of shame, projected around me or around that because yeah because before that is low contrast i was like star gonna be they're trying to get me to college i was the i was varsity track i was the choreographer for my school i was just very much um celebrated like in the hood celebrate like oh there's the dancer oh she's gonna be this she's there had lots of um yeah. expectations on my life right and this is uh, and there's positive expectations mentors picking me up giving me tutors this help this helping me to to kind of like they how they said to go against like to conquer the odds so i had mm, a lot of support yeah, to go before i was pregnant 
Yeah. Right. So yeah. be before I had a lot of because I had talent, I guess. So people are like, oh, she's you know, you're going to be a track star. We're going to get you in this college. What college you want to go to? You're going to go to Spelman. OK, we're going to get your paperwork. You know, it's very mm -hmm. a lot of mentors around me. But then as soon as I got pregnant, it was like. Where's everybody at? Oh my <laughs> it was very yeah, you're still uh, the same person. That's just yeah, helpful. it was very wow. a big drop. And so um, I learned a lot about shame. I learned a lot about hope and expectations and how to kind of be with yourself and how to I had to navigate yeah. like where's my where's my um, my hopes going to come from. And so like people are like, oh, it's kind of like a more like, oh, she's just another statistic now. Right. And so because especially my my school I came from is very like if you say lean on me or like a school that in the hood, like people getting shot and this crazy stuff, uh -huh. people getting pregnant all the time. So it's very I mean, it's, it sounds crazy, but it's I went to I went I'm from Sacramento and it's a school. We, this is part international audience. So it's just a it's one of those type of schools that a lot of people don't beat the odds. And so when that trigger when that when I got pregnant, it was always like, oh, man, we lost another one. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm still here, guys. I, I can do it, even though, you know, it is having that shame projected onto you. And that's horrific. Mm -hmm. You know, that whole idea that it's like it's not even your own shame. It's it's just other people feeling it on your behalf or or making you feel it. You know, that's yeah, like, oh, so sad. She was going to be such a great now. She I wonder if she's going to graduate It's very yeah. <laughs> it's very like bad. And so I was from that. I was like tenacious, like, you know what? I don't care what they say. I was just like, it's going to be me, me, the baby and Jesus. That was my whole thing. Like, I'm just going to be focused on me. I was so strong willed and I was like determined. So I from there, I graduated faster than I than they projected me to graduate. Um, I, they said you can your credits are too low. You can't you can't graduate here because that year you took off to. I mean, that year was like six months or whatever. You're not going to be able to graduate on time. But I'm like, watch me. <laughs> and I graduated on time uh, with my class at my as my home school. And I was just very tenacious and put my goals. I remember I had a big sheet of paper and I put my goals on the back of my my bedroom door at my parents' house. And I was like, this is gonna do this. I need to do this by this date. And I was very specific and very, um, just very, you know, just tenacious. And so, and I was, I danced. I had my mom help watch my daughter and I get to do spot dates on tour. And I got to, I got to do pretty much live my dreams in spite of other people. But that really, I think having my daughter was a lifesaver as well, because it really made me look inside and and grow a faith and a hope that's not dependent on others, but is more inter internal. And I got really quiet with myself and like, OK, how are we going to do this? So it's numbing as well as uh, it challenged me to look inside and get quiet. And I started doing things I never did before, like go to conferences to get to learn about like your mindset and learn about yeah. different things. I was just I was just became a grown up spiritual grown up quick because really? i was just like okay i had i had to do this myself like who's gonna who's going to teach me i gotta teach myself and so i came a a tenacious learner like just i just books after books and how do i how do i still get my dreams and have challenges and i just had to um change the way i was living um, when I say how I was living, I, I was before I was just like, yeah, it's all fun. But now I was like, OK, let's get serious. OK, where's my hope from, you know, just get internal. I just got really inside and faith based. And so many people don't don't ever either have to do that or don't manage to do it. You know, they, they something just comes along and it just floors them completely and they stay that way. They stay in that, that, that place. But, you know, I remember talking to you and you said, yeah, we grew up together. You know, my daughter and yeah. I. It was that that's yeah. a beautiful thing, and 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 it yeah. sounds like she's really such a, a powerful force in your life, and yeah. that for all it was challenging at the beginning, and just kind of what's the what what is the narrative here? You know, how am I going to tell this story? And yet it's become this yeah. sort of beautiful outcome. Just amazing. Yeah, she's my she's my bright light, and I she she's one that made that made me who I am like a big part of that like because i was i was able to say like okay is there a god like all those big questions how does life work it's all because of having her made me say like how does this work how does this life work <laughs> like how am i going to be able to survive yeah and so in in growing up with her is just everything like i everything i learned learned on the way i taught her at the same time so she's like 
we're very close. Like we're, she's like all the hope and inspiration I fed myself, I fed to her. And so she's, I'm looking at her now. I'm so proud. Like she, she's very much a bright light and she's an inspiration, but I see that it comes from that point of our lives that we had to grow up together and had to fend and had to like work this out and figure out how life works and about abundance and about joy and about gratitude and, and about it's hard, but we get to, we get to do this together. We get to dance through it and we get to dance through the hard times. This, this is not going to stop us. It makes us better. And like just teaching those, learning those lessons and teaching at the same time. I see the fruit of that now because she's 24. Yeah. Was, I'm bad. I'm bad at age numbers, but she's 24. I'm like, Oh, she's such a bright light and beauty. And she's beautiful inside and out and such, and such inspiration. And I just love that she, I didn't damage her to be, you know, too bad. No, but it sounds like the whole time you were, you were kind of teaching her what you needed to learn. And, mm -hmm. and as a result, she's probably so much more put together and kind of whole than yeah. if this hadn't happened this way. I mean, and I, I've got this image now of like your three brothers, did they kind of, were they part of her growing up and, you know, part of that sort of support network? Yeah. So my youngest brother, Kellen, what's up? Cool cuts. He's a DJ. <laughs> um, he, he, uh, he was at the house with me when I had, um, Adesia, my my oldest daughter. And so he, he would be her uncle playing with her and like watching everybody, pretty much my mom, my, my brother, um, my friends, my, you know, it was like a tribe, a village thing. My people who believed in me and was there no matter what, like my mom put her on daycare from her job so I can finish school. It was just a, it was a, a tribe effort. And so like there's other stories that where my brothers weren't there because stuff happens in my, on that level. When I say they weren't there, it was because of, of like two, two of my brothers got kicked out of the house. So they weren't in the house at that time. And so my other younger brother was there and he watched my daughter um, so much for me. And he was like, he plays real life. So he's a cool person who he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I don't know how who going to feed her, but you know, but he would take care of her. He would say something. He, he's too cool to like admit how loving and kind he is. But he was said she was so there. And, and my daughter, my oldest remembers that they're close. Um, even though he won't be, he, he, they're not like our family's not the one to be like, oh yeah, sure. There's more like, all right, maybe you can leave them, but, and they'll be playing and having fun on the, you know, it's just yeah. a great yeah. relationship. <laughs> so it sounds like there was a lot of love there which is kind yeah. of helpful. It's just that, that, and, and, and that's what comes through when you were talking about your, your other daughter, your 12 year old daughter, who's now, you know, I was amazed when you were saying you homeschool her and there's just so much love and pride and that mm. sort of, yeah, I just I love being in that presence when you're, when you're talking about the kids and, and how much they mean to you. So important. Yeah. 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 And so, because I was interested in there's a there's a book you recommended when you come into the story skills workshop everybody gets to recommend a book and yours was love does by this guy called Bob Goff and I kept meaning to look it up but yeah tell me the story what is love does oh my gosh love does I don't know how I found Bob <laughs> he said his name is funny but he is like I have four mentors in my life that I count as mentors mm -hmm. and he's one of them and mm -hmm just because he lives his life as one big, one big love adventure. And there's not too many people who challenge me the way that he challenges me. Cause I, I consider myself to like be a person of love and to express love through all my actions and through how I live. But I thought, I thought I was doing a great job until I read Bob's book. And I'm like, Oh, snap, I need to come. I need to come up a little bit. I need to look, I feel like I I'm, I'm, I'm slacking here. And so, before I can read lots of books, I'm like, yeah, I do that. Yeah, I'm forgiveness. Yeah, okay, blah, blah. But I read Love Does. And he, he is something about, it's not like a, um, like a, you have to do this, this or that. It's no, there's no telling, there's no preaching. There's no like, do this, do that. There's no prescriptions. It's just like, he just tells small stories about his life, about how he, how he like has food fights with his kids to, t and they have, um they have, what it, was it like a, manners night and then he has to, to offset that he has food fight night and they throw spaghetti and just <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's just it's just his it's such um such what's the word for like joyous um wondrous 
stories and i'm like is this man real but then i met him in real life i'm like he is real this is crazy like how he jumps out of planes he does crazy stuff but it and he's he rescues kids from uh sex trafficking he he gave up his he just does crazy stuff but in the name of for others and for yeah. for himself and his family and other and he brings his family right along so his stories is what his life stories are small they're short they're powerful but they're like wow how can I be a little bit more adventurous? How can I be a little more playful in the name of love for other people and right and to live the love that I say I have for people? Because I, I feel like I love people so much. I can just no one's a stranger to me. And I just I, I see people on the street and I'm like, oh, I love her. I just feel I love is just inside me. And so instead of just keeping it as a feeling and emotion, how can I express it out in the way that I live? And so Bob, Bob Goff challenged me in that way. And and so I like to read it and be around him as much as I can because it, he put this let, let me give an example how crazy this guy is Bob he puts his number he it's like the best time selling book he put his number his real number cell phone number in the back of his book it's like call me if you and, he, <laughs> and, and Luke our other yeah Luke our other coach he actually called him when he was um like doing some kind of volunteer at the prison with guys and they called Bob up and Bob always answers, which is crazy. Even I was on a retreat with him, Bob's like, he takes calls. And even if you leave a voicemail, he calls, it's just crazy. It's like, he's so available and just like, how can this one human be yeah. so open and be so full of love and no like, not big pride, not big head. Cause I think like, oh, Bob's just like, cool. And nobody knows him. But then I look at his podcast, I'm like, oh snap. He has like famous people on there, yeah, <laughs> like Obama's. Yeah, yeah. Like he just has crazy stuff on. I'm like, how can it be that available and that generous? I, it just doesn't make, it doesn't add up, but it definitely challenges me to live more love full out in practice, yeah. not just in emotion. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. And it's, it's, it reminds me because I just interviewed a guy called Gene Early, who's a, who's a coach in NLP. And he was talking about, he, he once said to me, you can't love other people until you learn to wholly love yourself. You know, it's really difficult mm -hmm. to love other people. And then you get to that point and then it's about, okay, you can, how do you embody love? How do you just become that thing? And that's when it starts to be more in your, in tune with like what Bob is saying. It's just, it, it, you're just in a state of flow you don't have to think mm. about it it's just what you do and and it comes right back to you that's that's the mm -hmm. whole theory which is just amazing oh I'm really glad I asked about it because I haven't I haven't yet read the, the book but I'm definitely going to go off and um and like you say you know that just those small stories that's all it takes it doesn't have to be this great big life earth shattering story it's just lots of little little ones that all add up just amazing yeah. so one yeah. of the stories that i said we would get back to one of your fun facts was you I, mean, I know how much video stuff you do and that dance is a big part of your life but you said you had a small feature in a michael jackson video so how did that come about <laughs> that was when so after i had my daughter i still was pursuing to be a choreographer a dancer and i got to do cool things with different artists but one of the uh i was working at a studio dance studio with job walkies i'm not sure who all knows job walkies those are my brothers in in dance that's who i those are my crew who i danced with and they're very, super famous now but um hanging out with them in the studio there was a call um a casting call to be on michael jackson and this is in this is not in la this is in sacramento so we're like what michael jackson has a casting call out here in northern california san francisco area and so i'm like cool i'm gonna do it and there was so many oh my gosh the, the line was so long to get cast i'm just like this is not gonna work out in my favor because it was just like it was an open call so it was i mean through the casting agency but every it was like i feel like it was endless amount of people it was for days and days and days and um but i got a call back i'm like i, I got a call back yeah. um but then when i then I, when i went it's the video cry it's one of his slower songs but uh like an, i'm not gonna sing it but you gotta look it up it's called cry and then so I, when i went to this i got picked to do it and i went I'm like oh it's more of like a um we all we are the world type of thing so it's a lot it's, it's a big a big um maybe like 100 200 people to hold hands and be diverse and be like we are the world um so i'm like oh that's cool i still could be in it and then the director was kind of we we're in the streets of san francisco they shut down like they shut down um the main business area in san francisco the big buildings and we're all holding hands and singing 
And so the director is coming by looking at people. And he's like, you come here. And he, that's like, get it. They're like, get her number. <laughs> and I'm like, because yeah. yeah. there was like, you know, it's 100, 200 of us just singing, we are clapping and singing to the <laughs> singing or whatever. And then he's like, you. And then he's like, get, get your number. I want you to come back. You're going to do a feature part. Like, uh, he wants you to, like, he, the director didn't talk to me. He just said, get her number. And then the lady, the little assistant came and like, got my information. And it's like, can you just come back tomorrow? And you're going to wear this and get ca go to casting. So you get your wardrobe blah 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 i'm like oh snap so i felt like really special and so um the next day it was like a five five a.m call and uh it was not in the same spot we we're actually in the wilderness somewhere and it was so such a long bus drive and all that to say it was just like it was very remember it was very memorable but i was so tired from having <laughs> to shoot all the day before and then the next morning being a call kind of at I was like four or five in the morning and I was like, oh, I'm so tired. And then it was just like for when you, I'm not sure who ever been on the shoot before, but it's just basically hurry up and wait all day <laughs> until yeah. they call you out from the trailers. And so they called my time to be out trailers. I was like, I'm so tired. And he's like, I want you to see you hold hands around the tree and just do, and they kind of do your, your, your close up and but I never got to meet Michael Jackson though. I was waiting to see, like, yeah. see him. I'm like, oh, let's see Michael Jackson. Yeah, so I didn't get to meet him, but they did the close up, and then like I guess they they uh, I didn't see him actually in the video, so it was just close up, and I'm like, oh, I'm on Michael Jackson's cry video, so it's one of my little highlights that I can say yeah. like um, that even though it was like it seemed like millions of people, not millions, probably probably thousands of people that auditioned, I'm like, oh, I got picked, and then from those, I got to do a feature um, of maybe like five of us to do like the close ups of the the clapping and singing. <laughs> But it was no dancing though, which I'm like, oh, no choreography, which I'm a dancer. I'm like, I would want to have had danced before yeah. Michael left Earth, but the opportunity is still cool. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. And I, I, it's something because you do that so well. I mean, even with your work with small, small gorilla, it's, it's, it's all video stuff, storytelling mm -hmm. through sort of visual media, lots of yeah. dance. And so yeah. you've almost kind of internalized that and made it into your work anyway. It's, um, yeah. It's yeah. how you bring people's sort of real spirit to the fore. How did how did that yeah. come about? How did you set up Small Gorilla? Small Gorilla is a um, product of reinvention because I've always been known as dancer, 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 dancer <laughs> for all my life. Mm -hmm. And I always to support myself as a working dancer when it's kind of between shows, between gigs. I would always do websites and I always do um like help people with their brand and more more website stuff because I made my own self a dancer website and they're like that's awesome it's cool can you do mine I would do friends and then they're like can you do mine and I did friends of friends and they kept getting and I'm like well uh I'm gonna charge you two hundred dollars they're like sure they're like they're like yeah I'm like oh, I got paid to it you know and I would start charging it was so it was an accident I did my own website I learned how to do it myself that was so many years ago now 20 years maybe a year ago 15 20 that's a long time ago but then I started just charging more charging more and learning more I actually went back to school to get more into the code I, I think I would hate code but I actually like to use code as creative creative means and so I just kept learning more doing more and then my husband's a cinematographer and then one year um he had his business kind of helped help, help helped him set up his business and then I have my business um it was story sites and he had a uh, run and jump media and then for some reason I was walking I like to walk and be in and be in turn go inside and and be still and listen and write in journals and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, it was an uh, idea came into me like, we should, we're gonna do it together. And it's gonna be called Small Gorilla. It's like a vision. It's so weird. We're gonna, it's gonna be called Small Gorilla. And so I wrote all like I just fiercely wrote in my journal that day, um, walking by Josh's parents' house. It's like a little trail, and I just wrote it all out. Um, and I uh, called it Small Gorilla because of Jay Conrad. He's a book I like. Um, it's called Gorilla Marketing. Um, and so I just, I just, you know, it just formed from that, that just being, um, cause I was doing my thing, Josh was doing his thing, we did it together. And what I bring a lot from Small Gorilla, especially from my dance background is I really, when I dance, it's, it's funny, when I choreograph, I really make my dances tell stories. That was my main big thing. Like it was always a narrative, <laughs> like even my hip hop stuff is always a narrative. And so, and I like to get emotion out of people. Like, so I, 
picture the audience and what they need to hear in the moment. Cause I do big, I would choreograph for conferences and things like that. And I'm like, who's going to be, an, I was always asked, who's going to be an audience. Can I meet some of them? And I want to talk to them, see where they're at and know them. And then I would put whatever those, like if it's a women's conference, I would put like, almost like play It's weird how I choreograph. I, I would put like, I would let them, I would, my whole idea is they let them see themselves on the stage and that, that so they can identify with it. And so when it be, and I'm always trying to get into the emotional level of the dance. And so people will come to me shaking like, oh my God, this changed my life. You know, it was very emotional thing I like to do with my dance. And so I just translated that, that. and I was kind of known for that in my little circle. And so from that, I took that um, just emotional storytelling and letting the audience see themselves on stage is doing that same thing for brands and like who's your audience um where's the heart what's the purpose of this what story we're trying to tell what's the change what's the transformation like what's the hope like what's the the good stuff that's that that is called human connection right and try mm -hmm. to how can we how can we inject that into what you're saying to your video to your website um how can we get to heart of the matter and just make it open on page like try, i always try to aspire to that emotional level um, especially when I'm working with clients, because I feel like human connection is the best way to be close to your audience and to let them know who you are and how you and, and who they are and how you guys connect. So, and it's certainly so much sense now that you know that piece where you are just you embody empathy. It's mm -hmm. it's almost come from that place where you had to go inside, you had to do all this self exploration when you were so very young. And I'm mm -hmm. sure that has what's played a part, you know, that sort of building that resilience, understanding yourself. So when you when you know who you are, you know, it's the classic Bernadette Dewar line, when you know who you are, you don't have to compete, you know, and you just, yeah. but helping brands understand who they are. And then even if it's a personal brand, you know, just how, yeah. you, how you bring that to the fore, just incredible. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine. So these dancers, do they ever get, um, you know, have you got any of those on 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 video and things that people can see? They're usually for organizations. And let me think of I have choreography, but they're not uh, on the stage. So like they're in the studio rehearsing it. Mm -hmm. And but I do have some music videos, but they're not the um, the ones I'm talking about. These are like for women's conferences, for organizations, you just for nonprofits. And then, yeah. yeah, and they record them. And but it's there. Um, so it's in their archives, maybe for their that that nonprofit organization or it's usually pretty big conferences too, some of them. Um, so I could probably ask them for it, but I don't, it's funny because I didn't never, I never, um, all my work came from word of mouth, which is ironic, especially my dance work. People are like, oh, can you choreograph for this? Oh, we're doing a, a business conference here. Can you do something or doing a human connection piece here? And so I would yeah. just come up with my dances and and do this, do the show, but it wasn't, um, I never was like, quite like, hire me for Corey. it was always from word of mouth like from the the dance industry itself like we kind of like uh it's more word of mouth and so which is is often the best way you know because then you're working yeah. with people who really get you and they want you yeah. for a specific role because they've seen it or they've they've heard about it before yeah it's just you you never yeah. have to sell at that point you're just right you know you're always brought in and it's like you just do what you do and do it really yeah. well and yeah it's phenomenal yeah. phenomenal yeah well, I just feel like you've shared so many lovely stories. I mean, you know, you are just this natural storyteller. It just comes out. Um, and, and I can see now why. So one question I had for you before we kick off with your stories about kindness and a challenge was what was your story? Because we weren't in the same um, story skills cohort, were we? So mm -hmm. so what was your um, original story that you brought? So like, I did. Was the, did you do the beta testing? Well, I you did debate that. Mm -hmm. Did you? Did you? Yeah. It uh -huh. just goes to yeah. show how you can be in that that workshop and just never actually, you know, rub shoulders with different people. Right. Sort of different different circles. Yeah. But um, so what was your story when you when you went through the the beta? Sixteen and pregnant was my story for the for the first one. Right. Yeah. And how did it yeah. feel telling that story? Did you were you sort of nervous <sighs> about it? Or was it a story you kind of just wear anyway? You know what? I, I, a lot of people don't know about me being 16 and pregnant. And so it wasn't until story skills that I started like more openly sharing that whole piece of me, yeah. just because I, I mean, it's close to me and I know that I, I went through, and I know it was a big change. 
-hmm. And so um, I have a lot of other changes that are big transformation, but that was one of the biggest, like this is when I totally became the Enrique that people know, like, I can't even tell you some stories of my younger self before that you wouldn't even recognize me. Like yeah. people think I'm such a love, so full of love. I was so bad. Gangster wannabe fights in like, I was just like, cause I didn't live with my mom. It was just, my, my dad's on drugs. It was this whole bunch of stuff happens. And so I didn't know myself and I was just acting out. And so if I tell you stories from that before I was pregnant, people were like, I can't even believe it. And then after I was pregnant, after I got into the work, doing the work. And so after story skills is when I re-identify that story and how I'm um, just kind of unearthed it. Um, I always knew it was an important part of my life, but I never really wrote it and unearthed it in that way. And so, yeah, that was the story I brought and what I worked on. It's almost like a pivotal moment. It was a kind of mm-hmm. like an awakening. Yeah, it was like mm-hmm. I have full agency over this is my life and how I'm going to live it. And yeah, such a beautiful story. I mean, it's and so powerful for people to hear that, you know, we all have the capacity to change within us. Mm. You know, I think so many people are just written off. It's like you're never what was it? Um, Brian Stevenson says you are not the worst thing you've ever done. You know, because Luke, the the guy, we yeah, and you're just rejoicing at that, yeah. Yes. It's like you yes. write people off. Yes, my heart. I think that what marks me is because I see the light in those who others might not see the light in. Because I am that I'm that girl, that young scrappy, <laughs> that young scrappy wannabe gangster, fight for anything, um, girl. Because I, you know. I had so much things going on in my life. I like I didn't stay with my mom for six years. I mom we she didn't raise. I stayed with my grandmother, and my grandmother mm-hmm. worked uh, so much that we were just by ourselves, right? And so, yeah. And and at school, I was getting fights, and I was bad, and it was just a bad. Like if I look at my myself, I tell my daughter stories of me. She's like, "No way, mom!" She couldn't. Yeah. She's last. I can't believe you're one of those kind of kids. <laughs> and so, right? It's just like like kids you see and you're like, oh no, Piger, you know, like, you know, it's just like, I can't, no way that, that this like the scum, like that's part of the scum of the earth, right? The scum of the world. And so I see myself and I see the light uh, in myself even then, but it was just so um, burdened down with life's drama, right? That we, we didn't ask for, but it's just part of our, part of the story that I grew up in. And so when I see other humans no matter what they look like no matter what they're what they're acting out i have such a um a love for them even in their their bad behavior or seemingly hate or seemingly whatever that ugliness is that darkness that shadow i still see light that there's potential for light because i see them i i give i give myself that same grace right so i think about there's still hope. They just need a little bit of love, right? And so that's my that's my my mark. So. And just acknowledging that we all have a shadow side and that mm-hmm. it's uh it's too easy. Society has become very good at judging people as being oh that's just badness and and it's mm-hmm. it is all about circumstance and if you're never given an opportunity then that becomes your narrative, you know, it's inevitable. It's uh but that what I love about your story, I mean, gosh, it's brought tears to my eyes. It's just that, yeah, that that hope, that optimism. And now you just embody that in other people. That's where that empathy comes from because you really do understand it, you know, and it's yeah. just amazing, amazing. Yeah. So when you started to think about stories with um, an act of kindness in them, what, what came up for you? Because you've had, you know, you've already told the story about even just your grandfather saying, you can go in there without your dress on and, you know, little moments that come across, but what was the story that you, um, you landed on? Yeah, it was from my, I call her my spiritual mom, her name is Gloria Mosley. We call her mama glow. <laughs> she was, um, yeah, mama glow. She's, and she's such a light in, in all. And I can, and I speak of her like this, but I can, I can't, it's countless of how many kids and young people from my neighborhood that she's touched. 
Oh, Enrique. Oh, sweet pea. It makes me think that like, she's still alive. I need to go talk to her because yeah. in, she is, she was a neighborhood like mama. <laughs> and so a lot of stuff went on with my own house. Like my, I, my dad was on drugs for so many years. And so my mom's a single mom to us four kids and she was trying to survive. And so we've had food insecurity and lots of, you know, we're in the hood. So lots of shootings and crazy stuff. This, this is a, this is a war zone, right? Where I'm from, but it's still so much love. Like people from the outside, it looks like the war zone, but within those war zone, like places where I'm from, so much love and just, uh, we call her, uh, Mama Glow, she was one of the life-saving graces that was part of that. There's there's another, there's more, more, um, more characters inside that loves in that, that war zone that's full of bright light, but she was one of the brightest. And so she would take us in every Sunday. We would go to this church, right? And even the people at the church were like gangster people. They, there's so much judging and so much drama. And they, they they treat the kids like we're just like, you know, bad seeds. And, but her, she was different. She would like, you guys come on over to the house. We're gonna make, I'm making, we're making uh, some dinner. So she would cook for us and all the youth, all the young people would go to her house and just hang out. And she would be so kind and, and so like just an open house. And she would just be like, like if you had a mom that was very nourishing and nurturing, um, she would be like your idea of that, like, mama glow and it's not only was she nurturing she'll tell you the truth like now you know don't be da 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 you need to be stay on we don't and she'll pop inside your head like you need to be focused on you know she'll tell you the truth of what you're doing wrong yeah. as both from a place of love and you knew no matter what you did no matter if you're another if you're another girl who's pregnant I had people pregnant younger than me, right? And she would take them in and say, we're going to come and get you. We're going to come get you. We're going to make sure you're set up with this. We're going to find some housing for you. She was just very much, and not just me, I'm one of her kids, but she has so many kids that she would just take in her home and nurture and love. And it was just, it wasn't healthy. It was a healthy relationship to her and um, her the husband of the house right he was just like he would play with my youngest my my oldest daughter i had her at 16 she would, he would watch her for me and they would play barbie mm -hmm. it was a family full of like open their house and their hearts and that showed me a capacity like i'm not i'm not sure if i would have um survived the shame and the drama and the all the stuff that we went through without having those light beams and she was one of the brightest and there's other ones that also came alongside in spite of my um my judgment of, of what i'm like oh she's lost in spite of that they still saw hope in me and people will come and tell me how much a bright light i was and just little sayings and in around the neighborhood and so mm -hmm. without those bright lights i think it was been all darkness right and so um i remember her distinct instinctly and she's still um alive and I need to go visit her and say how much she meant to me, me and other people uh, like well, me. Well, I hope from the bottom of my heart she gets to hear this because yeah. that's just, and isn't that just such a, such a beautiful story that what started out in in Northern California, it's gone all the way around the world, and here we are. You know, I'm mm. sitting in the UK and sharing it with an audience in the UK. That that when somebody really reaches out and and actually just acts from a place of compassion. That yeah. does transcend everything. That does make a difference to people. It's so powerful. Yeah, just incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Mm. What a beautiful story. Thank you for trusting us with that one because it's sort of so personal, so deeply personal. And those are hard stories to tell. Yeah. Now I know you you've you've already, you know, you've you've life has been challenging. Life mm. has just thrown so much at you, Enrica. And I I feel like it's that old thing about um you, you tell some stories and you just get to know somebody it cuts right to the chase you're just straight there it's been such a brave thing but was there is there is there a challenge that you just thought yeah that's the one that was the hardest or you know that's the thing that has just been I'm most proud of overcoming mm. yeah the, the, I'm most proud of the one I shared my 16 having yeah. my daughter at 16 and able to still dance and yeah. go to across the States and travel and 
And that took a lot of hope and, and hope into something that I couldn't see because I didn't know how it was going to happen. But I still had the big vision. So I just held on strong to that big vision, add some faith to it, lots of hope. <laughs> and things like amazing things happened because I kept holding on to that hope. And so like I got to do a great, a lot of great adventures. And so that was my most proudest challenge to overcome. And that's what changed. That's one, there's two big ones that changed me. I'll spare the second one because <laughs> I have enough tears already. But that first, that was one of the big one. The first one I had was yeah. that really showed me the, you know, the, the, the currency and the, the wealth and the gold is in, in, having faith in yourself and in, I would say God, universe, whatever you call it, like something that's greater than yourself, because uh, it's not really in spite of, but I think going through that stuff made me the person that I can cry with anyone, I can hug and love anyone. I, I almost, if you have a, if you have a shimmer of light, a shimmer of, of um, openness, I can see it. <laughs> And I just want to go towards love on that <laughs> so much. Oh my goodness. You see it all the time. I mean, that's what makes you such a great coach in the, in the story skills workshop, especially it's just boom, you know, people just, they feel touched by it. They feel that sense of presence that you bring. And that's whether you write a sentence or whether you get into a zoom room with people, you just always have this way of, Oh, here's where the story is here's 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 the important bit you know and then yeah just encouraging people just really being that sort of supportive almost like you you were describing those mentors in your life who have been so powerful you know Bob Goth who's an author that you obviously went and then followed those breadcrumbs get to a retreat meet him and realize that yeah that's that's the secret to how you overcome a challenge yourself it's just where you see that hope and positivity move towards it. And yeah. yeah, beautiful stuff, beautiful stuff. And I just feel so privileged to be in a space with you, you know, that you can bring all of this wisdom and that your, yeah, your grace around it, your, your understanding of those almost like two different worlds, the worlds where the challenges are just so hard and it's it's actually a wonder people do come through them and you're the sort of light going forward that that is is now you know shining back at other people going you can do this you can do this you really can oh so so gorgeous now i'm so excited to get on to the next bit because i know music plays such an important part in your life and you're an amazing dancer and as i say there's times where it's like there's this inner beat inside you so even when you're sitting at your desk you're kind of just moving and there's a there's a sort of a natural inclination you could just i always feel like you're just about to get up and dance no matter what you're doing <laughs> <laughs> it's like give her a minute and she'll bring some dance into it somewhere you're probably right <laughs> So hearing your stories about it, it makes so much sense because I didn't realize how much you choreographed and, you know, I just thought it was just inside you and you love to dance. And But it's it's obviously been there right from the get-go, you know, you're, you're just always dancing. So how hard was it for you to choose one song that means It was almost, man, it's, it's so hard because I think out, out of all your questions, even though they're vulnerable and everything, that is the hardest question that's spent so much time to think about because um, music is almost the background to my life, right? And so depending on the day, the season, if I'm working, if I'm coaching, whatever it is, I turn on different songs, different playlists. And so to pick one, I'm like, and then even in different times and seasons, seasons of my life, there's been songs that I just play on continuous repeat for that season. Yeah. And so each season has a soundtrack and I'm like, I don't know which ones the one and so i say this with the and because i almost feel like i'm cheating my other songs <laughs> for saying saying one over the other yeah it's like your favorite it, child yeah. it's not yeah right it's like i can't say my favorite child on air the other ones will get offended like it's not right <laughs> it depends on what how i'm feeling right and I so love, i love that phrase the seasons of my life actually that's really beautiful 
Yeah. Cause I can think of, um, cause now like this, this past season of I'm in, and so my age, <laughs> I, yeah. I wonder if you guess my age, but I'm looking back like, Oh snap. I'm like halfway there. And so this one song for that, I just play over and over like all the, the choices I've made. I just think about that. But I'm like, if I really go back to the song that really has brought me through is from that time when I was in 16 and my, my sub headline 16 and pregnant, it was the song back then <laughs> that I played over and over and made a speech about my, uh, my senior, I don't know if my senior little last paper, I even sang it to the class as part of my presentation. My Cause wedding. it just was, was a constant, um, something like, a those lifesavers you hold on to when you're in the ocean. And so that was one of those. And that was, um, Mary J Blige called my life. Oh. And it, and I listen to it now, I think about what it say. Like, I'm not sure, back then, I'm not sure. I just listed over and over and I was seeing it and I would just almost like wash in it, right? And I'm not sure what exactly it was about it, but now I look back and read the lyrics and she talks about, um, and I know the song by heart still, I still, I was singing it this morning <laughs> in preparation <laughs> of, our, of our call, but um, she talks about if you look at my life and see what I see, you would see that I'm so beautiful. And that's one of those, the, the things that a thorough line and, and theme in my life, not only for myself, because I see that people disregarded me in those low times and like, oh, she's nothing now. Right. That that same. And I had to prove them wrong, whatever. But I was always seeing that, like, if you look at my life, you see that I'm beautiful. I'm still good. There's stuff going on, but I'm I'm beautiful inside. And so, and even now I like to see, I'm looking at that song. I'm like, oh, there's so much beauty in us. Like we are the magic, like you cat, each individual has such beauty and such magic, even in our messiness and our humanness and in our, and in our, our bad behavior, good behavior, shadow light, we are the magic. And I like to be reminded that like, it's such a joy to, to know you cat and to know each individual person. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's my um, greatest honor to know people. Like, even if I see someone on the street, I'm like, oh, I love you, my neighbors, you know? And it's just, I wanna know you, I wanna know your name or, you know, it's just, and sometimes some people I will never meet and that's, you know, but the people I do get to come across, I'm like, wow, there's so much beauty in there. Mm -hmm. If we can take time just to learn a story, have a, have a high, have a chat, a coffee, so. That's, that's, the, that's the one I pick. <laughs> yeah, that's such a great addition to the list. And it's it's so true. But I think some of that beauty comes from the messiness. You know, it's mm -hmm. actually, it's not perfection we're seeking. That just makes us feel yeah. like, who wants to be perfect? Um, it's right. when you are a bit messy and you, yeah. you are willing to show that side of yourself that we really really connect so and and you're almost like the living embodiment of you know that song my life it's just mm -hmm. this is my life and I it, it will play out in all sorts of different ways but I get to choose which is yeah perfect oh gorgeous gorgeous, gorgeous. <laughs> you're such a beautiful being so mm -hmm. so of all of this wisdom that you've shared I mean you must have learned so much along the way and I think you learned some of those best lessons from the hardest moments even though they're challenging that's where you kind of learn life's greatest lessons but what would you say is the piece of wisdom that you want to put in the collection that was a hard, another one too for me um mm -hmm. but i think i think i read it as a piece of wisdom someone gave me and that was from mama glow <laughs> when uh when I was in a toxic, abusive relationship <laughs> wow. and it was a girl's night that night and she and she's had all the girls over and just talking to us about things that mama talks to 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 the girls about. Right. And, she, and she's and she said, you can always and I was coming back then I was going back and forth like we be broke up, we be together, we broke up, we, you know, and it was this very toxic relationship, very like very bad. Um, and so, but I didn't know anything better. Like this is my, my, my daughter's father, but you know, it was just how it is. And so she said, she sat us down. I was like, I have a shit. You guys have questions. I might have a question. How do you know when a relationship, like you should end a relationship or stay with it, like st stick it out. And she was like, this is how, you know, she's like every relationship, look, look at every relationship, like a tree. 
it's you and and then from that tree what kind of fruit list out all the fruit that comes from that tree and it's the fruit that you want to eat and it's a good fruit then you water that tree even if it's small fruit even if it's not fully ripe but it's good fruit you keep watering it but if it's bad poisonous rotten you want to cut that tree down you don't want to that you don't you don't need that relationship in your life and so it was like oh and after that it was like a spell broke over my eyes i was like this happened this abuse i get it was just bad all this all the things naked like pros and cons list right and i was like oh i gotta get out <laughs> this is all negative <laughs> bad things that happen and so i still take that like relationships are like trees and say like i even though i see good in everyone i don't have to be in relationship with toxic toxicity yeah. toxicity right and so I look, I try to be like how I say, like Bob is of light. And I, I just go, I try to be surround myself with, um, especially when I'm taking in date, like I just want to be about like you and Bernadette. That's why I suck out Bernadette. I'm like, she is amazing. I need to be, she's, she's one of my mentors. I need to be here. She's one of my mentors, Seth, Bob, uh, Bernadette, and Jada Sonner. Like, I was like, I gotta be around these people because they feed me life, right? And so that's one of the things that been another thorough, uh, thorough line, like who who has good fruit? <laughs> who What kind of relationships produce good fruit? And then get get more of those fruit, kind of fruit trees in your life and, and less of the ones that are toxic, right? Yeah. So that yeah. was a good a lesson that Mama Glow taught me young. <laughs> that's a perfect lesson. And all I would say is it's a dialogue, you know, hanging out with people like you makes me a better person. You know, it's just that once you get into a relationship where it's win-win, you know, it's just like, mm-hmm. it's, it's just a joy to be around those people. And yeah, we have challenging relationships in our lives, but, but yeah, the more you gravitate towards the ones that fill you up and that for, for yeah. people who just accept you for who you are and, yeah. and bring you along, you know, and raise you up. It's like, yeah. I have a lovely friend, Melissa Camilleri, who she actually trademarked the um, the phrase, we rise by lifting others. Mm. And uh, I, that for me is, yeah, that's, that's what a relationship should do. It should lift you up. If anything feels like it's just putting you down the whole time and making you feel bad and time for change. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Love them people from afar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like wait for them to have their awakening. Right. Right. I'll be over here when yeah. you're ready. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Cause I still love the people who are around my, I love, I like, I love my people. Right. Yeah. But it doesn't mean I have to hang and be and be in communion with those people. Cause then it, it's just like, it drains you. <laughs> yeah, when you're draining, it's like that's a big sign. Yeah. Bad fruit, and yeah, that's yeah. a beautiful way to put it, though. And I really, really hope Mama Glow gets to hear this and hear hear you talking about how much her wise words have impacted your life for the good, and just how much just those little actions, you know, talking to you at the right time at the right place can transform a life. You know, just seeing yeah. someone where they're at, not judging them, not shaming them, just starting from a place of self-compassion and then wow the stuff that can happen is magic just amazing yeah (laughs) Enrica I know a lot of people listening to this will have been so moved by your story and they'll want to go and check you out and so where can we find you on Instagram and you know people who want to tap into what small gorillas doing where do they find you yeah, so it's pretty simple. My for my personal stuff, like creating and having fun, is at Enrica Creates. Is uh, pretty much Instagram is what I do when I'm doing social media. Instagram, and then Small Gorilla is Hey at Hey Small Gorilla, and that is mostly on Instagram and Facebook. Um, but yeah, there those are two the main places that people can yeah. find me. Thanks for asking. That's very generous. Well, well, no, no, for sure. I know because that's one question I get is how do I find these people? So I'll make sure there's links to all of that in the show notes. But yeah, for, for creative inspiration, I would just head straight over to that Instagram account because and I, I loved what you did. You know, when you came into the Story Skills workshop, you tell everything almost visually. You built that whole roadmap that was just little symbols that help people go, OK, step number one is this. And then there's a picture. Step number is really breaking things down. Yeah. And even for me, I was like, oh, yeah. And that's an easier way then to explain it to people. So, yeah, I was learning so much, so, so much. I am so grateful to you for being such an awesome guest. You have shown up today and 
I really feel like this episode is going to help a lot of people who might be sort of in the middle of stuff that doesn't feel like it's where they want to be, but knowing there's always light at the end of the tunnel and that it yeah. comes from inside you, you know, yeah. go read that book. So, you know, Bob Goff, people, people like that who are just writing books to try and help people reach out to somebody around you, find those mentors in your life. It really does make a difference. Yeah. Stuff. Thank yeah. you so much, Enrica. I've enjoyed this so much. Love you to bits. Thank you, Kat. I love you. <laughs> Bye now. Thank you so much for listening. There are almost a million podcasts out there to choose from, so I really appreciate you for choosing this one and spending your valuable time with me today. If you found it helpful, I would be truly grateful if you would rate and review it as it helps others to find us. And if you haven't already, you can hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts to be sure of getting every episode sent to you. You can find all the resources we talk about and more about my guests in the show notes over at collectivewisdom.podbean.com or you can find me on Instagram at collectivewisdompod where I'd love to hear any feedback, suggestions for new guests or comments that you have. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're interested to know more about how my coaching can help you, you can find more about that on my website at catpreston.com. Thank you so much for joining me.